Welcome to the Sedona Soul Sister Show, down-to-earth discussions on spiritual, metaphysical, paranormal, and healing topics. The Sedona Soul Sisters are the most trusted psychic mediums in Sedona. They have offices in Sedona, Arizona, where they see clients from all over the world. And now, today's show. Hi, thanks for joining us today. I'm Ivory, and just to let you know, sadly, Roz has passed. If you didn't see that announcement, she passed on November 12th, and it's been a hard time, but she and I had been talking about selling the business in the near future, and that's what I went ahead and did. And the new owner, I'm very delighted, is here with me now. This is Christelle Arcucci, and she has got a great vision for Sedona Soul Sisters moving forward. She is going to continue the podcast, which I know you're glad to hear because you've been waiting for this to come back. And today we're going to talk about our, our own origin stories of our spiritual gifts. Like, where, how did we first realize we had them? how things morphed into doing what we do now. And because Christelle is new to you, you'll be glad to know you'll get to know a little bit more about her and what she offers. So I'm going to hand this over to you to start, Christelle. I'm so glad you're here. Yes. Thank you so much for being here, for doing this introduction. And I'm also super pleased to say that Ivory is still going to be offering services through Sedona Soul Sisters. So if you want to book appointments, she is still going to be part of our team, which is great news for me and for everyone. Place that things started for me, and I believe that all children come into the world in a state of oneness and remembrance of our infinite selves. And it's a process of becoming human and individuated. All children come in with incredible intuitive gifts. I had a near-death experience at six months old. That changed my experience of becoming human. Because for me, it was impossible for me to forget what I'm here for on a soul level. And also to look at my experience and be like, what are these humans doing? Because of what I remembered and what I saw in a child growing up in a very unhealthy environment, the truth that I knew in my body and my bones, but that I had zero evidence for. Right, I wasn't growing up in a spiritually connected, healthy environment. I work a lot in the Akashic Records, and, and that's one of the primary things that I work through in all of the healing work that I do. Yet when I was a child, I called it Sky School. I knew that I could go to Sky School at any time and get any information I needed. And I would go there in the dream time. And the interesting thing about Akasha is sky is one of the meanings. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I was speaking with an Akashic Records reader. And she was talking about the Akashic Records. I was a podcast episode, actually. I was interviewing someone. And my jaw dropped open. I was like, this is where I've been going for all of these years, for decades, going to sky school to learn, to be connected, to support my clients and myself in my work was so wild to then realize 
where I was going, what I was doing, and where I was getting this information, which again is like beyond logic. And I didn't have my parents, they weren't teaching me this. It was just my own experience of exploring in the Akashic Records without even knowing what they were. That's amazing. I love that. The Sky School. I'm going to be remembering that. (laughs) So I would love to know your origin story. When did your spiritual awakening happen or your psychic gifts really start opening for you? I don't know because I was under two when I had my first angelic experience. So I I guess I was just born with it because I remember, and I talked about it in my book, I walked off of our property while we were playing outside and mom was hanging laundry. And I just walked down this little dirt country road and got lost and got scared. And I turned around and at the top of the hill was this angel. I didn't know it was an angel at the time, but That's my first memory of seeing an angel. And it was standing there in this pale yellow gown, and it had light red hair and beautiful wings. And she was smiling, and she just beckoned to me like that. And I didn't even question it. I just went to her, and she took me by the hand and walked me back to the edge of the property. And I saw my mom, and I could see my baby sister sitting. And I, she just let me walk back over. When I turned around, she was gone. I was seeing spirit from a very young age and knowing things that I didn't have any clear way of knowing. The gifts that I have now, oh, and oh, and a big one, as far as being an empath from early childhood, I was very sensitive in every way, including temperature, uh, fabrics, people, just general energy. And my thing I would always hear is, oh, you're too sensitive. You're so sensitive. Like it's a bad thing. And so I really took, developed some shame around that and tried to toughen up. But the truth is empaths tend to be very sensitive people. And even things like tags in the back of a a clothing can just irritate me so much I have to remove them. It's more than just the energy, picking up energy and emotions of the people around you. It is just being very sensitive. So all those things were there that I can remember before I was, before I even went to kindergarten. Yes. And was there a point in your life where you shut your gifts down and you were like, no, I can't do this? Or did they stay open since a very young age? I don't think I really, I tried to shut down mediumship because I didn't like it. It really, it sometimes scared me and bothered me, really affected my sleep quality, but it never worked. And (laughs) I was 18 years old. I went to my first spiritual circle in Prescott, just over the mountain from here. And it was in an old Masonic Lodge temple at the top. And it was this guy who was Danish, and at the time, so that was 78, he was a famous channel, which I didn't even know what all that was. But a friend invited me, I went to that, and he was going around the circle, and he'd point to each person and say something, and he skipped me, and I was a little disappointed and a little relieved. Then, just when you think it's over, he turned around and pointed at me and goes, you, you have nine diamonds around your head. You are a very powerful channel. And I remember the insight. I, my friend said my eyes got big. I recoiled and I was horrified. I wanted nothing to do. Whatever that meant, I wanted <laughs> nothing to do with it. It was before the internet. There was not like you could just look up what is a channel. And somebody else told me a few years later too, that was well-known and I, it was more about running from doing my anything professional with my gifts or developing my gifts 
for a long time, yes. till 91, 92. And then what happened at that point that made it so there was no avoiding it? It helped that I left a very abusive long-term marriage. And so I started to clear. When you are suffering abuse, when you're stifled like that, everything's stifled, including your, your gifts, your motivation, and everything just opened up for me. Life opened up in every way once I was out of that situation. I sought out my first a mentor and worked with her privately for about a year and a half, Belinda Howe. And we had a lot in common. She was also a professional singer. She had the same gifts I did. And it was just really helpful to have somebody who'd been doing it for decades to start guiding me towards not, at that time, I wasn't thinking about doing this professionally. I was just wanting to see what I could do with my gifts, see where it led. Beautiful. I love hearing more about you, right? We've been connecting over the like logistics of the business and the sale and all of these things. I love knowing more about your story and what brought you here, right? To, to being a professional in the field of metaphysics and what brought you here, which I think is so helpful for people to know that especially aren't readers or doing this professionally, what would the advice be that you would give somebody that that feels their intuitive gifts or their psychic gifts or they see angels? What would be your suggestion on how to allow it? I think meditation is really important. I'm very into introspection and I know I do that naturally. I'm an observer. I tend to be reserved. I'm thinking on the inside. I'm thinking all the time and but that I believe in introspective time where you're not trying to think, where you're just clearing your mind and receiving. And I consciously do that now. But for someone who's new, I would say the first place would be a form of meditation. And if it's new to you, you'll probably find guided meditation to be easier because it's got something, usually words and pictures, if it's a video that can help you let go of your thinking. It's just about stopping thinking, which is not as easy as it sounds in the beginning. And the other thing would be, I think, reading books on the subject and finding your soul tribe, people you can talk to about what you want to do, what you've experienced, because you're going to get a lot of advice on who's a good mentor, who can help you. They may be able to help you. You might even find your mentor through that group, but I just think you need to start the exploration. Yes. And which brings me to the question of you said you had resistance to mediumship, which I am still in the resistance to mediumship, which of course in, uh, so I just moved to Sedona in November. So it's now December as we're recording this of 2023. And two weeks before I moved here, like I was guided to move here. My guidance was like, you're moving to Sedona. And then two weeks before everything is in motion for me to be moving here. My guidance said, you're going to open a healing center in Sedona. And I was like, excuse me? I think you have what? the wrong number. Yes, exactly. I was like, what? Yet, I know not to resist. So I was like, okay, Absolutely. I'm opening a healing center in Sedona. That's going to take some time, maybe a few years. I just was like, okay, we'll see how that unfolds. And less than a month after I was here is when I first connected with Ivory. Which, Bam. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, who knew? This is part of the beauty of listening to the guidance is like now I am in such a deep state of trust as well as getting my conscious mind out of the way. 
to just be like, okay, I'm opening a healing center in Sedona. I have no idea how that's going to happen. It seems like it's going to take years, but I'm just going to show up and do my soul assignment. And then within 30 days, I'm the owner of a healing center in Sedona. (laughs) I also want to bring it back to the mediumship piece because that part of it for me. So the primary work, as I mentioned, is in the Akashic Records that I do now. And doing that through coaching, through soul contract work, through Akashic Recodes, the different things that I do. Yet there's a way for me that I even just thinking about mediumship, like I feel a restriction in my throat. I feel all this tightness, this, oh, but To me, it's stay tuned for what's going to unfold. Because now I just purchased a business that focuses on psychic readings, mediumship, and angelic readings. Even though I still feel the contraction in my body, for me, it's like, how is that going to unfold? Now I can move into a state of curiosity and move out of resistance, which is what I would say to somebody on a spiritual journey that's wanting to have more space for their spiritual intuitive gifts to come through, is to be curious about them, about your gifts and how they show up and not having some, yeah, but I don't see, because I find so often with clients and students that are working on this, they're like, yeah, but I don't see visions or I don't hear things like you. And so part of it is to be curious about how you individually receive information. because. It can be so different. And most often I find that people completely discount their spiritual gifts and how they receive information. Like, yeah, but yeah, but it's not, I don't hear things or people don't talk to me or I don't see angels or I don't see auras or whatever the thing, like they hold this holy grail of I would be psychic and intuitive if this blah, blah, blah. But then in the meantime, they're completely discarding the way that they're receiving intuitive information. So even though I have been resistant to mediumship for decades, in this new exploration for me, I'm curious and open, but I feel both, right? Like I feel the physical resistance in my body, yet I'm also curious and have been on my spiritual path long enough to know that resistance is a waste of energy. A hundred percent. And I know what you're saying. I think that's the thing I resisted the hardest. But like I tell students, don't worry about when you're supposed to or if you're supposed to do this professionally. If you are, you will be guided. And when the divine time arrives, it will be absolutely unmistakable and you'll have such a strong push. You won't be able to stop yourself. And that's how it was for me. Once it was very clear I was supposed to do this, like I felt compelled and I found a mentor and she had the best one, the ones the angels liked for me happened to be a mile down the road for me in a small town as what is the odds of this? It's interesting because I was very scared to do mediumship. And I remember my mentor saying, I want you to do four or five practice readings with people. You can use my Facebook private group. And I ended up doing like 45. And the reason is it took me that many to feel confident that I could do it, that people would feel fine with paying for that session and comforted enough to start. Because even then, once I started having a client sitting across from me, 
I was very nervous. So it really took a few years for me to settle into it and calm. And the only way to get past that for most people is to do it. Whether it's <laughs> psychic, whether it's mediumship, you got to just do it because then you're going to get the feedback from clients that you're on the right track and you'll start trusting what comes to you instead of second guessing it or editing it. Yes. And I think doing Ivory, you and I have talked about this before where we it's hardest to read for ourselves. Yet for me, I have a daily practice of tuning in to the Akashic Records for myself and pulling a tarot card. That is the hardest, but it's also like building that muscle and doing readings for yourself, tuning in and doing the practice of writing, tuning in into whatever form of reading you're doing or healing and making it a daily practice and then beginning to offer it to other people to develop that trust. Because for me, it's like reading tarot cards for myself is still so hard. But then for someone, for doing a reading for somebody else, then I, my ego gets out of the way. The limited ego is out of the way where it's just like, this is the message that I'm meant to deliver to this person. And I'm in a greater state of curiosity of, I'm not exactly sure what this means yet. This is what I'm seeing or feeling or the message I'm getting for you is much easier to do in sharing your gifts with other people. And and certainly, especially early on, whether you're doing psychic, whether you're doing particularly psychic and mediumship, you will have people occasionally say, nope, that's not right, or nope, that can't be right. And you just come to a place where that doesn't panic you. You just know it is right. And they're going to come to realization. And that's why I have people come to me years later and say, Ivory, I saw you for a reading. You said some things I was resistant to, and every single thing has come to pass. I'm so sorry, but I'd like to do another reading. And so that kind of thing, and plus just coming to a place of trust where you're getting correct information, you can be serene and keep your center when those things happen, which is the fear of that that keeps a lot of people from doing it professionally. But it's just a, a barrier you need to break through on your progress as a professional. Yes. And trusting the information that comes through and being not attached to the person's response, right? I had a client yesterday that was like, I shared something and she was super resistant. And yet I could feel that it was true. And even as the session went on, she was like, oh, I am angry at my ex, but she didn't want to feel it. But even just in the process of a short amount of time, she was like, I can feel that it's there. But I'm able to just hold the information that I share without the other person needing the other per person's approval. Most often, it's like when somebody goes into a fight response against something, right, that they're like, no, that isn't true. You're like, the more fight they have, generally, the more true it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it does happen. But I think, honestly, that's one of the most important parts of the journey of Doing any of this professionally is coming to the place where you feel confident in your source of information. For me, a lot of times it's angels, and I also get a lot of psychic information. I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing psychic readings since 92, 93, a long time, and angelic readings for 10 years now. And actually, casually, long before that, you just come to a place where 
It doesn't matter what people say. Yes, you want to hear good things. You want to get positive feedback. And most of the time you do. But there's going to be occasions where people don't want to hear the truth. And you still have a professional ethical obligation to give the truth. Whatever message you receive, you're supposed to give. Yes. And that can be tricky at the beginning to hold that, to share it, and to allow the person to have whatever response they have or reaction they have. So just be like, this is the information I'm guided to share. I'm going to share it, offer it with love, and release the outcome, right? To not be attached to the outcome. I know we need to wrap up the show, but you said that angelic readings are the main things you do, yet you also just said you only started doing it about 10 years ago. Can you give us the short version of how that transition happened? Yes, because I was going to a lot of spirituality meetings and events and when I lived in the Phoenix area. And there was several people who did angelic work and they all are like, yours attached, you have a strong connection to angels. And I knew that. I'm like, I, okay, yeah, okay. And around that time, my angel's like, you need to write a book. You need to host a show. And I was just trying to make it. I was in a horrible relationship and just trying to survive and trying to figure out what to do and get out of that. And I'm like, Yes, I know. Every day, multiple times a day, you need to write a book, you need to host a show. And so I ended up being, they told me, move to Sedona, and you're going to start your own spirituality business. And I'm like, what? No, I, that isn't what I want to do. I Same is so funny. It's very similar. So I worked somewhere for 11 months, met Roz, who ended up being my business partner. We decided to start our own business but the angelic work just took off like after I started the show, which was quickly after I moved to Sedona. And it first was a call-in show where people could call and ask a question of their angels. And it was very popular. And it was on uh, Blog Talk Radio, part of a, like a spirituality network. But during that time, my angels are like, now you need to host, you need to create this session called Meet Your Angelic Guides. And I'm like, what is it? It'll be doing this and this. Why is it so important? Radio silence. Nothing. You know how that goes sometimes. Like <laughs> they gave you the pertinent stuff now, just go. So I created it and started it. And then it became very clear that what happened was people started having breakthroughs, like feeling, seeing, hearing their angels, getting that guidance. And then I wrote my book and it just got, just went on this path. Like I didn't set out to specialize in angels, but that's where I was guided by my angels to do the work every step of the way. And that's what I keep get the most word of mouth referrals from other people from from angelic work readings and meeting their guides and angelic healing and any angelic services, really. Beautiful. I'm so grateful to know that as well as sharing it with the community so they know what your specialty is. If they want to book a session with you to contact Sedona Soul Sisters. And as we're wrapping up it is December, mid-December as we're recording this before the holidays. And one of my specialties is in soul contract work. Because I started working in the Akashic Records like long before I knew what they were, I have had teachers since I came to the realization of, oh, this is the Akashic Records. Yet I still find what I do in the Akashic Records is very different than what other reader Akashic Records readers do. I don't consider myself a reader, right? That is not my focus. My focus is what I call a, an Akashic recode, where my primary interest in the Akashic Record is the power to create the present and the future. I don't care what the Akashic Records say. 
about someone's past, which is controversial, right? For me to be like, I don't care about reading your records. For me, the power lies in the the ability to create the present and the future going forward is like helping somebody put energy and momentum into the experience and the soul contracts that they want. That can be with other people in your life. It can be in your own experience of living your purpose or healing your physical, mental body. That's where my focus goes in doing the soul contract work is being like, no matter what agreements you have made, no matter what soul contracts are in place, let's anchor you in the present and your power as a creator to create the present and the future that you desire. hundred percent. There's not a whole lot of benefit. There's a little benefit to examining your past, but if that's your focus, then you're stuck. So I like that a lot. Yes. Definitely. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on to introduce me, to share more about your story. I'm sure longtime listeners are happy to know the, the insights as well as some of your backstory that you have shared. So thank you for being with us today. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm glad you're here. And I know the people are going to support you in the show. And I'm excited for it going forward. Fantastic. The topic next week, Christelle has a guest, a longtime friend of hers, Julia Novak, who's a psychic medium. So that's going to be really interesting to have her on the show. I know she's very gifted. And it's always good to have some new people on and hear what they have to say, new, new thoughts, new energies. So Thanks again for being here and taking over the show. I know you'll do a great job with it. Thank you so much again, Ivory, for being with us. And also to listeners, one of the things that I am going to put in place, you can look in the show notes, is uh, asking questions about the episode, suggesting topics of what you would like to hear or people you would like to hear from in the show. Because at this point, I am open and receiving and and learning a lot about what has been happening with Sedona Soul Sisters and also carrying a powerful vision going forward for expanding the global community of Sedona Soul Sisters. So thank you all for listening and thank you again, Ivory. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Sedona Soul Sisters show. If you'd like more information about the Sedona Soul Sisters and their services, visit their website at SedonaSoulSisters.com. Subscribe to our show here so you don't miss a thing. All of us at Sedona Soul Sisters hope you have an enlightening week.